Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand, Managing Director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Mary Grothy, founder and CEO of Sales BQ. And Mary is a sales trainer and keynote speaker who has incredible drive to succeed in sales and a lot of interesting ideas and content around what it takes to succeed in sales. So. That is why we're going to talk about the topic, the traits of successful salespeople here today. So welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so good to have you. And I know you have a lot of interesting content to share with us today, but maybe we could just start out with, tell us a bit about your story and background. Yeah, I'd love to. My story is pretty fun. I started in the corporate world at 22 years old. I got a sales admin position, meaning I was the team's assistant. And I started at $13 an hour back in 2006. I was working for a Fortune 1000 payroll and HR services company. For two years, I supported the number one sales team in the country, meaning I got to study underneath the number one sales manager in the country and also see what a high-performing rep looked like day in and day out. Within a few months of supporting that team, I knew I wanted to get into sales. I spoke to my manager and said, what do you need to see for me in order to consider me for a role? And that was a pretty uphill battle because the salespeople on the team were all exceptional and they all had their college degrees and years of experience. Whereas I was 22 with no degree and no professional experience, never sold anything, had an uphill battle. We laid out a plan and over 18 months, I worked personally and professionally to earn a spot on the team. And I did. And within the first 30 days, I became the number one rep. And within that first year, when I finished, my quota was 150,000. I ended up selling 758,000, which was more than number two and three combined. So I got to break some really exciting records. I went on to do that my second year. And what's fun about the second year is they cut my territory in half. They doubled my quota. They asked me to train reps and managers across the country and even work with the VP of sales of the then $300 million division of that $1.7 billion company to help rewrite the process and methodology for the entire sales department. And that was very exciting. But in my second year, I sold 850,000 and continued to be the number one rep and crush my quota and break records. And I loved it. I left in 2011. So after five years and took an equity position in a startup company, I went on as VP of sales and marketing. They had been in existence for just under two years and were struggling to get past 150,000 in revenue. But within seven months, we were able to quadruple the company's revenue. And I was recruiting and hiring a team and building all the infrastructure and process and methodology for that company to succeed. After those seven months, I realized I kind of want to do this for a living, even though I'm young, I want to take a stab at entrepreneurship. And so I did. And I started my first consulting company that I ran for three years called Butterfly Creative. I helped 36 
startups and entrepreneurs during that time. And then I became a starving entrepreneur because I had shiny object syndrome and I couldn't say no to anything. And I just exhausted myself to the point where I decided to go back to that payroll and HR company for three more years, sold millions, broke records, met my now husband, bought a house, had a baby. And then in 2017, my entrepreneurship butterfly wings were flapping and screaming, get me out of corporate America. And that's when I formed Sales BQ. BQ stands for the Behavioral Quotient, which I know we'll talk more about today, but we've now been in business for two and a half years, and we serve companies between five to 20 million in revenue on average, and we bring in one holistic revenue strategy, not silo-focused, not sales, not marketing, one revenue strategy. We believe in the inbound methodology, and now we're a team of about 10, and we serve companies across the country. So that's me. That's my story, and I have a beautiful three-year-old, and his name is Beckham, and I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> wow, that's a great story you got there, and so fantastic to hear your sales uh, achievements. Wow, that's that's rare, especially so early in the career. So I suppose you stumble upon your methodology quite early in there. So uh, and as you said, you call your company Sales BQ, and uh, as I suppose you elaborate a bit about you know IQ, and then we have EQ, and then you invent the BQ. <laughs> concept. So what's the story behind that? The BQ concept is I had so many people asking me, how do we replicate your success? How do we get other reps selling at the level that you're selling at? And so honestly, I didn't even know what made me a great rep. I knew I was smart. That would be the IQ. I knew that I understood the product and service better than not only my sales peers, but most of the people in customer service and on the implementation team. I know that I didn't need to rely on a sales engineer because I was demoing my own technology solution. And so for me, the IQ component was extremely strong. And I know that that helped me be a top performing rep. Then I look at EQ or emotional intelligence, and I'm very emotionally self-aware. I'm able to sit around a table of people or even talk to them uh, phone or Zoom like this and be able to pick up on other people's feelings and pivot appropriately within a sales conversation. And I think that's cr a crucial skill to have because you can't sell the same way with every group of buyers. You have to align and pivot and adhere and shift and be very agile in your sales meetings and sales conversations. So I know that that also helped me be very well-rounded in my sales approach. But really, neither of those two components matter if you don't have BQ, which is the behavioral quotient, and that's all about the execution. That's doing the work every single day, doing everything that it takes in order to be successful. And what I mean by that is it's not just, hey, I had enough sales meetings this week. It's literally every single tiny decision that you make every minute, every hour of the day to execute at the highest level. In fact, where I've seen a lot of top reps really fall apart is when they quote unquote take their foot off the gas, meaning they're doing less work. So I look back at my sales years. I had many sales years where I was selling almost a million a year. And then I had in my eight year sales career for, for B2B sales, I had a couple of years that were in the four or 500,000s in what I was selling, still above quota, still finishing top 10 or top 25, but that's a huge delta. 
why do I have such a big gap? I didn't become stupid. I didn't become less emotionally aware. It was all about the BQ. I was not putting forth the energy and effort and executing on all those small tasks. I wasn't putting forth everything that I needed to in order to have those very high performing years. And so that's the BQ. That's the component. And we look at a oh, high performer, we've got to get up and go. So when I had the VP of sales of that company was asking me, can we replicate this? And I said, sure, send the reps out to Denver where I was based and I will train them. So they started to send new hires to Denver and they came out of what we call tier two. Tier two training was two weeks at corporate where they learned the product and service inside and out. And they also had years of experience selling. So the recruiting strategy for this company was you had to be, you had to have proven success. And most people had five to 10 years B2B sales experience. So you knew they were good salespeople, but every time I had a rep ride with me, they all said they couldn't keep up. They were wondering when they could take a break. They were wondering where we were going to go for lunch. They were wondering when the workday ended. They were wondering when we could just sit back and breathe. And I realized at that moment, I think what's making me so successful is not just the IQ and the EQ, but it's the fact that I'm high urgency, I'm fast paced, and I have a lot of gas in the gas tank. I just go all day long and I'm very strategic in how I execute. So there's no wasted time. And that's really when I started to see there's something different about how I go about the sales day than my peers. Wow. Interesting story there. So that's what uh, you came up with, that behavioral quotient, as you call it, and how to go about your day. That's so interesting. So um, how, how do you train people and how do you discover if you have the necessary quotient or not as the salesperson? And, and where do you start uh, analyzing yourself or how, how do you become better in this area? Well, first you need to understand there's four components to BQ, the behavioral quotient. The first is your mental mindset. It's how you think. How you think will trigger how you feel. And depending on the emotional state that you put yourself in, that's going to dictate the actions. And then the actions result in performance. So those are the four components of BQ, how you think, how you feel, how you act, and how you perform. And if you look at the very top at how you think, there's a way that a top performing rep, a rep with high BQ, is able to let facts and information enter their mind and create a positive emotional reaction that fuels their actions versus a, a different type of salesperson with low BQ whose mental mindset is not setting them up for success, meaning when they have a piece of information that comes into their head and they immediately create a negative emotional story or even an, an indifferent emotional story that's not fueling them and giving them excitement and that positive emotion is going to fuel the actions because sales is not easy. Newsflash, right? We know this. It's an extremely hard profession and you have to have passion. You have to have a desire inside of you to execute. This is a hard career to choose. And if you don't have positive emotion flowing through your veins, you are going to get worn out. You're going to get bogged down. You're going to get beat down. Rejection's going to keep you down, losing a deal, tough conversations with managers, a technology that might be behind slightly the competition. There's so many things that can negatively affect BQ and really bring a rep down, but it all starts with the mental mindset. 
So reps who want to get better at BQ, it all starts with how you process the information that comes into your mind. So when you first have a piece of information enter into your brain, you have a story that's created. So everybody creates a story based on that information and it either fuels their emotions in a positive way or a negative way. Sometimes they might just remain neutral on it. But what we want to do is to get the excited the, the excitement, the positive energy, the passion to come out of that. So as an example, you look at your calendar for the day. You have three prospective client meetings scheduled and you're looking at a couple of gaps in the calendar in between. Now, a rep with low BQ might look at that calendar and say, I can't believe I only have three meetings scheduled today. It's not enough. I'm so far behind. I, I have to win all three of these, but my close rate's only 27%. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. So they start filling their heads with negative stories that create negative emotions. And so they're already in a, for lack of a better term, just a bad mood when they start their day. Their outlook isn't very good. And so they have to then, they start low. And so all day they're just working to dig themselves out of that. A high-performing rep might look at those three discovery meetings and then plan their day around it in a much more positive fashion and say, okay, I have three discovery meetings scheduled for today. I'm already ahead of my quota, but I want to make sure that I'm continuing the trend. I have three open hours. What am I going to do with those three open hours? Well, the first open hour is first thing in the morning. So I'm going to print off my call list and I'm going to get ahead of calling so executives can answer the phone before the gatekeeper comes in. Let me see if I can't schedule a callback for at least one of these three spots today. And then secondly, I want to go back through my no-sale list. So opportunities that I lost within the last 12 months, I'm going to block this hour right now in my calendar. I'm going to go back and call through this no-sale list and see if I can resurrect one deal. And then in that third hour, I'm going to call through my last implementations. Let's go through the last five of successful clients that have onboarded, and I'm going to call through and solicit referrals. But before I pick up the phone, I'm going to see who we're mutually connected to on LinkedIn. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to find out some names that they may or may not know. That way I can come into the conversation and directly ask for an introduction to a specific person. And I'm going to go ahead and write the introduction ahead of time. That way upon agreement, I'm going to not have to have extra work. I'm just going to shoot that off in the email. So someone with high BQ that just looks at that calendar, interprets the day and says, here's how not only am I going to already have three discovery meetings, but I'm going to take it to the next level. And every minute of my day is going to be booked and purposeful. This creates excitement. This creates opportunity in their mind. They're full of joy. They tackle the day. This is the rep that's going to have so much passion backing behind the execution that they may look at two, three, four o'clock and, and be like, wow, the day went by so fast. It's been such a great day. That's the difference between high BQ and low BQ. And that's just one example. Wow. It sounds like that could make a big difference. And uh, is there any way you can measure BQ? How do you know if, if a sales organization have it or not, or if they're good or bad in this? We created the first stab at that. We have a quiz on our website at salesbq.com. It's in our training room, but there's a BQ quiz. And the BQ quiz is a great way to get a benchmark. And we've broken it into those four categories. And we ask a series of questions that are answered truthfully and honestly on a slider scale to give everybody a score in each area. And what's great about this quiz is people's BQ levels change. They change potentially on the daily. So when you take this quiz the first time, there's an output that gets emailed that tells you specifically how you can better your score in every single area. 
and what to watch for and what you can do on a daily basis. So for me, as CEO of SalesBQ, I've got a little bit of a responsibility here with a team and managing a lot of clients. And I measure my BQ on a daily basis. I do gut checks throughout the day even and ask myself what's holding me back from peak performance and it's execution. I've also made changes especially with us working from home right now and having an altered schedule, I've made some changes with how I structure my day to make sure that I'm putting my tasks where I need more energy in the morning because I have more energy in the mornings and some people don't. But for me, I've restructured my day, but I'm dissecting and finding all the things that are hindering my ability to be a peak performer in my role. So it's not just for salespeople, even though what I do has a huge sales component right now, but it is really about how are you structuring yourself? And so there are four categories. You can take the quiz and take it multiple times, but you get the output and it gives you that benchmark for the day. And you can identify where, which of the four areas are lacking. Yeah, great. That should we try definitely afterwards here. <laughs> but how, if I take that test and I see that, you know, I'm not performing good in one of those areas, is this the kind of thing you either have or don't have? Like, you know, charisma or, you know, whatever things we sometimes entitle people with just having a talent for? Or is this something you can train? I think it's something that you can train, but you can't train if the person doesn't have heart for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because again, sales is hard and some people are born to do this and others aren't. And some people can be trained into loving the profession and finding success. A lot of it is PCE. This is something that we like to talk about at SalesBQ. PCE stands for passion, conviction, and enthusiasm. And I feel like most of my sales are fueled by that. I love selling. There's something inside of me that when I'm on a sales call, I am so lit up and excited. And when I win a new client, the endorphins, the release, the excitement, the I, I, that feeling it's addictive, right? I want more. I want more. I want more. Not everybody has that. I'm also extremely competitive and I hate losing. So for me, I put in a lot of time and attention into my sales processes and for all of my sales prospects so that I'm not missing a step because I want to outperform anybody that I'm competing against. Those are qualities that not every salesperson has. And if you don't have those qualities, sales will be harder for you. There are some people where they say sales comes so naturally. Well, a lot of it is they have endless energy for it and they have passion to do the hard work that's required to succeed. Somebody who doesn't have passion for the role, maybe they don't love what they're selling. Go sell something different. If you aren't passionate and in love with what you're selling, if you don't have buy-in, you're not going to be convincing to anybody trying to buy from you. And that goes into the conviction part of this is conviction is all about your knowledge set. It's your ability to take the buyer. So passion one shows them the, it's an emotional connection. You're passionate about the product or service. They're aligning with you. And then you transfer a little bit of that passion to them, showing that you're passionate about solving their problem. And when they see that you're emotionally invested in solving their problem, there's this passion, it's infectious, but that doesn't close a deal. Conviction needs to come in and conviction is where you can prove out that you can solve their problem. And you're aligning that with your passion. So the passion and conviction step into play. You're knowledgeable, you're credible, you have case studies, you have social proof. Maybe you can demo the technology or talk about the service yourselves, or you have a 
counterpart that helps you with that. But ultimately the buyer at that stage should walk away from the conversation feeling like the conviction has passed through. There's no doubt in their mind. They say, this person can solve my problems. They can make it happen for me. They're emotionally invested. And now the prospect is feeling like, hands down, we can't go wrong choosing this. But then the third step is enthusiasm. And the enthusiasm needs to transfer from the salesperson to the buyer. And that's in getting started. That's in executing. That's in moving towards implementation. The enthusiasm piece is now that I'm emotionally aligned, I'm convinced that this is the product or service that will solve my needs. Now I need enthusiasm about actually executing, signing the deal and getting started and starting that first step into making my life better by buying this product or service. And so as a top performing salesperson that has this PCE, passion, conviction, and enthusiasm, is going to be able to carry that buyer from the very early awareness stage through consideration and then into the decision stage. So those components align with all of this as well. Uh, interesting. That's that's a solid framework you got there. So when when you train people in this, and if I would like to become better, where do I start? What should I try to apply in this framework in order to become better in those different steps or areas? How, how can you train yourself, basically? <laughs> sure. I think the first thing is to get a gut check. And you're not going to be successful in every sales role that you sign up to do. You have to first look at and answer the million dollar question. Can I be successful in this role selling for this company? Because some sales roles are top of funnel or their front end where you're opening up conversations. Others are more technical. Others are going through discovery, demo proposal, close. Some sales roles are more so in account management or account augmentation and upselling, soliciting referrals, et cetera. There are different types of sales roles. There's also transactional roles versus relationship type sales. There's high ticket, there's low ticket, there's high volume, there's low volume. Where do you fall in? Where does your DNA as a human being, where do you line up the best in the type of sale? For me, I need a complex sale. I would prefer to sell something that's worth $100,000 or more. I really like moving the needle. I want a lot of moving parts. I want to solve problems. That's fulfilling to me. I also show up and do very well in those sales conversations. It would be a uh, misuse of my time and talent to sell something that was transactional and high volume. And I would also get very bored. And so for me as a salesperson, I wouldn't have longevity with that. So rule number one, you want to get better, benchmark yourself and have a gut check moment. Can you even be successful in the role that you're in? And do you see yourself in that role for a long term? Do you love the product or service? Do you passionately believe that your prospects lives will be better because of what you're selling? And if you don't believe that, you probably aren't going to reach peak performance in that role. And if you do, it'll be based on execution and burnout because your heart is not in there. And the heart is the fuel that's going to carry you to this point where you feel like you have endless energy. So that's step number one, benchmark yourself. When you get to the point where you say, I can be successful in this role, it's the right kind of role for me. And I'm in love with this product and service, and I can passionately stand behind it, and it will make my prospective clients' lives better. If that's where you are, then I highly recommend you take the BQ quiz, and if you don't want to take it, fine. Just benchmark yourself in the four key areas, your mental mindset, then looking at your emotions. And this is probably the most important part because your actions hinge on this factor. 
is starting to train yourself. So I, I go through this exercise every single day. I analyze my emotions. And so I actually visualize when facts or information enters my mind and I visualize the story that I'm creating. So I've taught myself to catch myself and look at the story I'm creating before it takes me down a path emotionally. Because once you start going down the emotional path, it's harder to pull yourself out of it. And so if I notice that I'm having a reaction to the information, so if I get an email and it triggers me, I'm training myself to catch myself on the reaction that I'm having and to just stop. And when I stop, I can analyze the information and make a decision in that moment about a better response versus a reaction. And even if I don't love it in the moment, because we are humans, <laughs> I will still make a decision on the outcome of what it's going to be. And if it's something that really is triggering me and there is an emotion that I need to go through and process, I will allow that to happen. And I give myself space for it. I'm not you know, a robot by any means, but I make sure that I gear myself up towards energy and excitement and enthusiasm and passion in order to execute because my actions will rest on that. So what I encourage our listeners to do is master this skill is to realize that that quote, I don't know, is Abe Lincoln or somebody, whether you think you can or can't, you're right. No, it's Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And that is the basis for this. Mm -hmm. Whatever you believe, however you interpret those facts and that information, whatever story you're telling yourself becomes your truth. Your emotions will then follow that. And then your actions are based on your emotional state. So you have the power inside of you. You have the ability to stop and to process and to make a decision on how you're going to receive the information and what you're going to do with it. So that would be step number two. So step number one is benchmark yourself. Are you in the right role? Step number two is to get really good at checking your mental mindset and controlling that emotional state to work in your favor. Step number three is to measure your actions. There are leading and lagging indicators in life. <laughs> leading means those are the seeds that you're planting into the ground and the lagging is what grows. There's a huge disconnect when somebody wants oranges, but they're planting apple seeds. People, it doesn't work that way. Whatever you're putting into the ground today is the harvest that you reap. And this could not be more true in the world of sales. Whatever you plant today. So if your thoughts, words, and actions are all seeds. What you put in the ground is what will grow. And that's your sales cycle. Whether it's in one month, three months, nine months, 12 months, that's the harvest that you will reap. So make good decisions today. The BQ, the action component is all about the seeds. Every minute of every day, you have a decision to make on what seeds you're planting. So measure your activity because if you're doing X and then you get Y as a result, and you don't like Y, then you might have to do X plus something else and modify it or add to it or shift it or adjust it. Monitoring both your leading and your lagging indicators, leading being activity, lagging being results, you'll be able to find the correlation between the two. So if I do X amount of outbound, it results in X amount of meetings, which result in at my close rate, X amount of closed deals. They all work in relation to each other. 
one thing I learned early on in my sales career was take whatever you want to sell this year, divide it by your average revenue per sale, and then by your close rate, and then you'll understand how much you need in your pipeline. Then you dissect it further to look back into your historical data if you have access to it to say how many outbound, how many activities did it take in order to get enough meetings, and make sure that the mathematical equation works. And then you can have control over changing some of those metrics. So for example, if you look at your pipeline or you look back at your activity and say, I haven't had enough opportunities, I haven't had enough at-bats, then if you wanna win, increase your close rate. Then find the one factor that you can work on. Be smarter, better, more prepared, more, bring more conviction, more passion, more enthusiasm into your sales meetings, be a better salesperson be more emotionally intelligent, study your product and service a little bit more, bring in your IQ, be so undeniable that the prospect can't say no to you. If you increase the close rate, holy smokes, your numbers are gonna go through the roof. Maybe you could increase your average revenue per sale. Maybe you have product attachment or ancillary attachment that you can bring in so your deal, instead of being worth 25,000, is now worth 35,000. Well, how many deals less do you have to sell in order to hit your goal or by what percentage can you crush your goal because now your average yield size is bigger but be a master of your numbers don't be ignorant to them come into your sales meetings your team meetings come into the meeting with your manager prepared know your pipeline know your numbers own them be responsible for them don't be a victim of lack of pipeline be in complete control of it because the seeds you plant are the ones that grow and that's your pipeline. And then of course the fruit you harvest off of that is what you close. And so those, that would be the third step is to be a master of tracking. Oh, that's, that's a great process to become a better salesperson. It sounds really, really solid as a, as a way to develop, develop your sales skills. Uh, and uh, I suppose this goes for all kind of B2B sales rules primarily. It's not one, business over the other where this is successful or what's your experience around that? Well, we've had the opportunity to work with over a hundred companies in the last two and a half years and they are all different industries. We've even played a little bit in B2C. Um, we've had several companies that have both a B2C and a B2B component, but we have worked with companies that sell products, those that sell services. We've worked with a slew of different industries and different sales size. So meaning a thousand dollar sale or a million dollar sale. And with that, yes, this is transferable. It works. You want to be in sales? Implement this. It works. That's great. Mary, thank you so much for all the great insights and your methodology you have broken down and laid out for us here. So many interesting nuggets you have uh, given to us so generously. Uh, so I know there's a lot of people listening into this podcast who probably would like to check your content and your methodology out in more in detail. So where can we send them? Go to salespq.com. The greatest resource you can access is our training room. It's free. I record training every week and put it out to the masses. And so enjoy that. Then you'll get a lot of great thought leadership and engagement from me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Just look for me, Mary Grothy, G-R-O-T-H-E. And we also have a Quota Crusher podcast that you can subscribe to. But uh, those are the main ways to get involved. And if you really feel like connecting with me, my Twitter is Mary L. Grothy and my Instagram is Mary Grothy. That's great. I will definitely check out your training room. Uh, sounds very inspiring. Thank you so much, Mary. It was a blast to have you on the podcast here today.
and I wish you all the best with sales PQ and your uh, training uh, consulting company and uh, see you soon I suppose in in other venues uh, speaking and inspiring people <laughs> thank you for having me thank you so much everybody for listening in bye Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.